power on. The following is a presentation of the Sovereign Technica podcast feed. Legendary films and TV shows. Or just pure shit. The legendary host, Dr. Brian Sovereign. Sovereign at the movies. is something that if you told me 10 years ago I would be reviewing again uh, I would have called you crazy um, it is time for a little Sovereign at the movies and Mrs. Sovereign and I had the great pleasure of uh, well it end <laughs> everything we do is a great pleasure <laughs> what am I talking about um, we ended up going to a nearby movie theater pretty good movie theater all things considered, not one of the greatest, but pretty good. And we went and experienced Creed three, the ninth film in the Rocky saga, as in the story of Rocky Balboa. Now, <laughs> uh, really, it, it, it is amazing, right? <laughs> like I thought that Rocky six or what is also known as just Rocky Balboa, uh, really was the end and it was a fitting and frankly fantastic end even though i wouldn't have minded if uh, he won um at the end of it but it's kind of you know things coming full circle um but to some degree i ironically creed 3 also feels like things coming full circle though uh there is plenty of rumor out there that creed 4 is in development so does that mean that this movie was good or that has performed well in the box office, which it's been out for a couple weeks now. Um, that's not to suggest that. Okay. But we'll talk about it. Uh, so to understand just a little background on the Creed films, um, Creed is the Creed three is the story of Adonis Creed, who is the, uh, what would you say? Illegitimate son, uh, because it was through an affair by Apollo Creed, of course, played famously played by Carl Weathers in the original Rocky films. Um, you know, this is his son through, a, uh, through an affair that he had had, uh, just before he died. Um, and Adonis Creed is played by Michael B. Jordan, 
This film, Creed 3, is while he has been playing the character of Adonis Creed for the past three films since 2015 when the first Creed film came out, um, he this is the first time that Michael B. Jordan has ever directed uh, a movie. So we certainly want to talk about that as well. But let's keep going with a little bit of history of the Creed films. So the first Creed film, again, came out in 2015. Uh, it was star or it was directed and written by Ryan Coogler, who also had his hands in this one. Ryan Coogler would, of course, would also go on to uh, do the Black Panther film for Marvel as late, which I enjoyed very much. Um, and, you know, as far as Creed one, uh, I enjoyed the hell out of that film. I thought it was funny. I thought, you know, everything about it was top notch. Of course, we've got more Sylvester Stallone in that more Rocky. He was very much involved in the writing of that film as well as I understand it. Um, it was, you know, like it had every reason to be a cash in and it actually ended up being a very powerful film. Um, and I would argue like it's even better than look. I like Rocky five dare say I love Rocky five. Okay. Everybody talks about Rocky five is like the bad film, kind of like star Trek five, which I also love by the way. Uh, no, I, I think Rocky five was great. Um, a lot to, to pull from that. Uh, and really without Rocky five setup, we wouldn't have had the fantastic movie of Rocky Balboa, um, as well as, you know, it wouldn't have made as much sense, uh, to have the film Creed. But I do think that Creed, as far as the three Creed films go, the first one is really the only one that actually is better than any of the original Rocky films, the original six Rocky movies. And it is better than Rocky five. It's not better than any of the other Rocky movies, but it is better than that. Um, that again, that's really not, I'm not knocking Rocky five at all. Uh, if anything, I'm actually, I guess I'm kind of knocking the other two Creed movies, but regardless, we'll get into those. Let, let's get through this quick. Um, so I, I thought Creed had it all, everything, you know, and, and every Rocky movie is kind of a remix, right? It's always this story of, uh, you know, overcoming a great challenge. It's always about some kind of, uh, or usually about some kind of loss. Um, you know, whether it's somebody dying or, you know, uh, like a condition that Rocky has to go through, you know, like in Rocky five, where he loses, you know, all of his wealth, everything that he had, you know, like, uh, materially gained from being the heavyweight champion of the world, uh, you know, and, and so on. So th those are always the themes and they are absolutely in Creed and it really, really works. Um, Creed two. Oh, well, let me bring up something else about Creed one. The other part that was amazing about Creed, about the first Creed film was, and this is an area where it even bested Rocky Balboa, even though Rocky Balboa was kind of a greatest hits, uh, as far as music goes, pulling as much as they could from Bill Conti, who scored the original Rocky films mostly, uh, uh Creed was scored by Ludwig Göransson who of course did the tremendous soundtrack for at least the first couple seasons, I want to say of, uh, of the Mandalorian. Okay. Um, he is no longer doing music for the Mandalorian, even though his themes continue to get used, but, uh, the music in Creed was, was incredible. Um, I think he also scored Creed two, which also worked, you know, as far as musically worked very well. Um, We'll get into the music that that's certainly something to comment on uh, here shortly. So Creed, the first Creed movie had a lot going for it. I think it did so much right. Uh, it's a genuinely great film. 
And, you know, also impressively, it could have easily worked on its own. And really, the entire Creed trilogy can sit on its own and doesn't need, you know, all of the baggage. And I don't mean that derogatorily. All of the baggage that comes with the Rocky, the six, the previous six Rocky films, certainly add a lot of punch and weight to, you know, the Creed trilogy. But the Creed trilogy really can stand on its own, which I also think is an impressive feat. So moving on to uh, Creed 2, which came out, was that, I think that was 2018. Um, Creed 2 was arguably, you know, it was another chance for a quick cash in. It even looked like it was going to be based on the story that was, uh, that was set up. Um, and at the same time, though, it is the logical progression of the story. As in, when is Creed, you know, when is Adonis Creed going to get vengeance over the murderer of his father, Apollo Creed. Um, and of course that being the character of Ivan Drago played by Dolph Lundgren from Rocky four. Um, it makes sense that it went there and that you have the character, you know, that you have Ivan Drago's son, um, you know, be kind of the villain in it. Um, that worked overall. Creed two is not without its problems though. Uh, in fact, I dare argue it's half the movie that Creed one was like, I mean, it doesn't even come close. It's still good. It's still very good, but it doesn't come close to the first Creed film. Um, part of the problems with Creed two, where it fails as a Rocky film. Okay. Uh, really, you know, the other part, again, while the Rocky saga is very much, a lot of it is about, you know, the struggle, grief, loss, all that. Um, the overcoming of these things, of the loss, of the grief, whatever. The overcoming of it happens usually by the Rocky formula, which is a formula that many a genre and many a film has copied since Rocky III, frankly, uh, including every Marvel movie. Um, probably why Ryan Coogler did good at both of them, you know, making a Marvel movie and a Rocky movie. Anyway, uh, the, the training sequence is where that overcoming happens. And there's usually some kind of philosophy laid out around, you know, like wh why did they overcome, you know, uh, like in Rocky three, it's Rocky getting over the fear of losing everything because now he's not, it's not just him that goes into the ring. It's, you know, by proxy, it's his, it's Adrian, it's his wife, it's his son. It's, you know, he has so many people that he feels he's taking care of now and he's afraid. Uh, and of course he has the loss of Mickey and he wasn't there to take care of him and he did thing and he lost over that, you know, I mean, so, you know, like that's just an example. Okay. But you knew the philosophy of his training, you know, was that he had to, I mean, even, even in what Apollo said, like, you got to get the eye of the tiger back. You got to get past this fear. You've got to, uh, you know, get in this like faster motion. You got to learn to fight like Apollo, you know, um, that you set up in three. And then in Rocky four, the, the philosophy is really blatant. I mean, it's never stated more like it is in Rocky three, but it's very blatant visually. It is, it's really man over machine in Rocky four, right? Where, Stallone or, you know, Rocky is training in the boondocks of Russia, right. And doing everything natural, no machines, nothing, you know, it's all like rocks and ropes and everything else. And Drago, Ivan Drago is using steroids and he's got like, you know, this really like high tech gym and everything. And it's, 
it's really like that natural, again, it's the man, man versus the machine, um, that philosophy that's there. And I would argue those philosophies are what give that get parlayed are what give the Rocky films, their staying power because you really do like learn ways of, you know, of going forward, of, of taking on, uh, 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 struggles and, you know, the world, even at large, perhaps, and credit to Stallone for just being, you know, just having kind of that, like that wisdom or whoever was helping him write it, you know, but I mean, for, for that wisdom being able to get parlayed and Stallone's incredible acting chops. And yes, he does have them. Anybody who says he doesn't, you're crazy. In fact, go watch Creed three and, and you'll, you'll figure that out even more because he's not there. So, and, and you, you do, while you don't miss it at the same time, you do miss it. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to it. So Creed two, when you get to the training sequence, it's just like, you, you have no idea where the hell that place is. You know, Rocky just says, this is where, you know, trainers uh, come to go through hell and all this stuff, but they don't explain what it is. There's no real philosophy going on. I don't think the music is very inspirational. It just, the training sequence fails. And I think the training montage or the training sequence is just like, it's so essential to the Rocky experience, to the Rocky movie experience is going through that training and going through that victory. You know, it's even because you, you, you know, when you're first watching these movies, you don't always know who's going to win or lose and varying fights, but the training sequence, you, you do know, you know, you have that guarantee of what's going to happen of that championing that that's going to occur. And when you don't, when that flops, that's a problem. And I think it's one of the reasons that actually that Rocky five is kind of looked down upon because the training, there isn't exactly that training sequence with, um, with Rocky, but in that I give it a little bit of a pass because it's meant to be a street fight. It's not in the ring. It's meant to be something different. So while it can be held against it, um, I'm just kind of glad that they didn't even really try, you know, to do it other than to show how the villain villain is getting set up, which is a win for, uh, well, this is a great thing about Rocky movies overall that Marvel movies fail at. And really most modern films fail at, uh, they all fail in creating a believable villain, at least the Creed trilogy, and, and the Rocky films before it have always, I felt set up the villain, uh, to be understandable or they have a purpose. It's not just something to overcome. Like they have their own drives that, you know, they're like, you get it what they're about. Okay. Uh, it's not just an obstacle. Like they're, they're, they, sometimes they even, uh, present a competing philosophy, right? Um, like, I mean, you look at Rocky three with Clubber Lang, Clubber Lang is just pure power you know, and, and, and just that brute force, you know, and it becomes, you know, the classic Sisyphus question, right? Like it becomes, you know, the immovable object. Uh, in fact, I think the, the announcers might even say it directly, you know, the irresistible force meets the immovable object, or maybe that was in Rocky four, but anyway, you get that in the, and and the philosophy that, that wins the day in Rocky three is Rocky can take more hits than brute force can throw at him. And that's why he wins. Right. Um, and again, Creed two just fails on that. There's no real philosophy involved. You know, you get great moments between Ivan Drago and Rocky again, like powerful stuff, you know, like when he points at the, uh, at the wall in Adrian's restaurant, you know, when Ivan Drago does, 
and there's the picture of Apollo Creed and he's just like pointing at it. It's like nice picture. Like, Oh man, like burn, <laughs> you know, that's, that's so hard. Uh, amazing. Right. So there's, there's a lot to like in, in Creed too, but overall I think it's half the film that the first Creed movie was, which was fantastic, which did have a great training sequence where Rocky is, go, you know, battling chemotherapy. Uh, Adonis Creed is with him there and training in the hospital. Like you get, you get a point. They're both, overcoming this and they're doing whatever it takes wherever you have to do it even if it's in the hospital you got to do it uh you know the, the, like the, it's it has a message okay creed 2 does not and that's where that movie fails now where does creed 3 fit within all of this let's get into that finally so point you know my point being made creed 1 phenomenal creed 2 pretty good creed 3 where do we stand uh i think creed 3 is ultimately a better film, uh, pound for pound, pun intended. <laughs> I think pound for pound, it might be a better movie than, than Creed two, which is really tough to say because you still get Rocky in Creed two. Um, but I think that there's a lot that really works in Creed three. It is honestly a very dark film, uh, dark in the sense that there's a point where guns get pulled. Um, and what I like about Creed three is it is a reversal. This is what I mean by coming about the saga, the Rocky saga coming full circle. So the first Rocky movie is Rocky is the underdog coming out of nothing and getting a shot to be the champ. Right. And you know, he loses in the end, but he got the shot and that's what really matters, you know, but he's the good guy. He's all heart as, uh, as people often tell him in Rocky or in Creed three, you have, a similar scenario, but also it's slightly different. It's a twist in that now the villain is the underdog, right? And so it kind of comes full circle and the villain actually like, well, uh, spoiler alerts folks. Okay. The villain is, you know, a, a, a childhood friend, um, of Adonis Creed and, uh, what is it? Uh, Damian Anderson is his name in it. Anyway. Um, the villain is now, is now the underdog and watching that whole sequence happening, um, where, okay, so we know what it's like when the good guy has nothing to lose, like Rocky did in the first film. What's it like when the villain has nothing to lose? And man, did that work like that really, really worked. I thought that the, the character of a uh, uh, diamond Dame, as they called him in it, uh, was dangerous, you know, I mean, and, and not just not just in the sense like, cause again, there is a point where guns get pulled, you know? Uh, but like you had no idea what he was going to do. He's coming out of, you know, 18 years in prison. Um, he's playing as dirty as he can. Uh, I mean, it really, really worked. You I'll admit I did not. I mean, yeah, I expect, you know, I expected Adonis Creed to ultimately win in the end. Um, but through everything in the middle, I had no idea what was going to go on. Um, and it's been a while since I felt that way in a movie. Um, and there is some philosophy, not so much from Adonis Creed, which is unfortunate because this is an, this movie once again, fails where Creed two did. Uh, there's no, there's no philosophy in the training. It like nothing, but you do get the philosophy of diamond Dame where, you know, his, his thinking is like, I was a golden glove champion before I got put away in prison for saving Adonis Creed's ass when he was, you know, a little kid and you know, someone else is living the life I was supposed to live. What the fuck? 
And he even discusses it like with Creed's wife and everything, like, like it kind of empathizes with her over her losing her hearing, um, and not being able to like do concerts anymore and all this. It's like, you know, what's it like not being able to do what you were made to do, you know, in love. and love. And so, you, you know, you get it. It's a movie that sets up the villain really well. And the villain has a fucking point. The villain is not just an obstacle. I loved it. The other part that was amazing about Creed three was we got villains to come back from the two previous films. Um, you have Ivan Drago's son, the villain from Creed two, who actually helps Adonis Creed, uh, you know, with his training. Awesome. Um, you get a follow-up fight with where he actually beats the guy who was going to go to prison in the first film in the first Creed movie. Uh, he actually beats him to win or to, to retain, uh, the title. And so now you do know it's like, okay, yeah, he can actually like beat the guy from the first movie and win kind of similar to what Rocky went through in Rocky two against Apollo Creed is dead. So, you know, the idea that villains can come back for one is amazing Two, that we get further ex uh, exploration of the villains story, including the villain from the first film and, uh, Drago's son, you know, like, and, and that they even kind of get to reconcile. That's really cool. Um, I mean, I got, it wouldn't have happened, but it would have been amazing if like Mr. T was in Rocky six, right. Or in Rocky five or something really that, that would have been wild. Uh, I mean, I mean, one of the things that like never makes sense to, with Rocky movies, in my opinion, that Creed three kind of solves because Drago is going for the title, but you know, Adonis Creed at this point has retired, you know, and he's lap of luxury training people, but you know, he's living the good life. Um, like, <laughs> okay. So say like Clubber Lang from Rocky three. All right. So he's not the champ anymore, but he's still like the second best guy in the world. What? He just falls off the map. <laughs> like, like, how does that happen? That, that doesn't happen. Like, yeah, I know the goal is to eventually get to the title, but you can still put on a great fight, even if you're not necessarily in the running for the title. Uh, so I've never understood that. Like what happens to these guys? Like they, they still gotta be out there, you know? And so you do get that kind of closure. Uh, and you get a lot of closure with this film. Um, the one, the one thing you don't get closure on is what the fuck is going on with Rocky. He's only mentioned once. Um, now we do know with the film that because Sylvester Stallone has come out and admitted he's never going to watch the movie. Um, he has a problem with Ern Wrinkler, who has been the long, one of the longtime co-producers of the Rocky saga and kind of co-owners. And there's, there's all kinds of drama around that, that you can look up into, uh, online, but it's pretty nasty. I get it. Why Stallone's not involved, but what a fucking shame because you, I do feel like you miss, I mean, just get something from him. I, I don't know. It was, it was kind of disappointing. The movie still works without him, but it, it, it's rough just, you know, to, to only get like the brief mention and not much else and to not get any of like Rocky or slash Balboa's, you know, and sometimes it's hard to tell between the two to not get any of their philosophy and to only get what I would ultimately argue is incorrect philosophy from, uh, from the villain, not to say the villains always have the incorrect philosophy. Usually it's the inverse, but, um, yeah, there, there's just, I do feel like it was something missing. It worked again. It still worked without him. It was still a fine movie without him, but it could have been a lot more if he was there. Um, I do like that. I mean, there is kind of an ending philosophy of just like this realization, you know, between 
uh, uh, Diamond Dame and uh, Creed that, you know, hey, we were just kids, man. You know, talking about what, you know, these events that occurred to them when they were younger. Uh, and, you know, they shouldn't be held accountable for either of it. Uh, you know, that that's great. Like, that, that that's actually kind of a powerful message to get out there. And you do get, I mean, this is impressive too. The fight sequences in it, I thought were... Uh, certainly different from anything that we've seen in previous Rocky films. Um, some parts of it worked, others did not. Uh, but I liked the kind of targeted aspects of it um, that Adonis Creed shows in his first fight uh, with, you know, um, with the previous heavyweight champion that he took on. Uh, and then, you know, kind of the sequences and really the dirty playing by Diamond Dame that, that I, I dig it. Like, I, I like what they had going on. The end sequence was, or the end fight was very artsy, I thought. For example, there's a point where, like, the crowd disappears. I dig that. You know, the idea that it's just a battle between those two and the rest of the world is just shut out. Um, yeah, I can imagine that. I mean, and, and honestly, you know, in the in the fights that I have been in in my life, there's plenty of times, there's times where it doesn't feel that way, but many times that's exactly how it feels. Not, not that I've been in a boxing ring, but I've certainly been in plenty of fights in my day. And you know, it can feel that way, especially when it goes on long enough. Um, that was cool too, was, you know, we always expect an end Rocky fight, you know, an end, an end fight to go, you know, 12 rounds, right? Uh, the way that they allowed for the passage of time was by going through that surreal moment during the fight. And I thought that was clever. I thought that was a nice move. If that was Michael B. Jordan's idea, good on him. Again, his direction overall in this, let me talk about that. His directing, uh, uh, chops, were, I think, proven in this film. I think it worked. There's lots of little things. You, I mean, visually pay attention because there's lots of little hints that he's dropping here and there uh, that I thought, you know, were clever and worked really well. Um, and there's certainly a lot of setup for more films. I mean, like, again, they, the rumors are Creed Four is in development. Um, there's a lot of places that, that they could go with this, honestly, and, and I'll talk about that more um, in, in a minute. But overall, as far as changing up things and sticking largely within the Rocky formula, I think this movie succeeded. I really do. Um, everybody's acting, you know, Tessa Thompson, uh, you know, playing Adonis Creed's wife and uh, Michael B. Jordan, everybody involved, uh, you know, as well as um, Jonathan Majors uh, is, is Diamond Dame. I mean, he was incredible. Like, you really felt like th this guy's nuts. You know, like, like he doesn't look stable. Uh, it was, but then earlier on, he also see, feels, you know, very innocent, right? It, it just, it worked. It, it, everything was, was, was top game in this. Uh, the one thing that I felt like wasn't so top game though. So directing was great facts, you know, all that. I thought, you know, again, the remixes on the Rocky, on the Rocky, uh, um, formula, not the theme, but the formula, all of it worked. All right. The music, though, just not super inspiring. You know, you just you expect a certain something from from Rocky movies musically, and and it just wasn't there. Uh, also, I mean, speaking of like kind of sound effects, uh, I didn't think the punches hit with the same thunder. I get that maybe they wanted to be more realistic. They dropped it like in Rocky Balboa as well. Um, but I always loved the, the kind of the sound of the thunder punch that you would get in, in the classic Rocky movies, uh, or at least from two up, uh, two to up to, cause at six, they dropped them. But anyway, uh, I, I kind of miss that. They're, they're still sort of there, but they're like, they're done in like a half tone anyway. 
But the music. So Ludwig Göransson was not composing this. It was done by Joseph Shirley. Now, if you don't know Joseph Shirley, I'm not going to say Joseph Shirley isn't talented, but I also don't know how good he is on his own. And if this is an example, not the best showing. Okay. Uh, Joseph Shirley is actually the guy composing the music for Mandalorian season three. He also did the, uh, did a lot of the music for the book of Boba Fett. Now, Ludwig Göransson is still getting credit in book of Boba Fett and, um, like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he got the credit for like doing the theme and that. And then certainly he's still getting credit for the, you know, the themes for Mandalorian season three, but Joseph Shirley's doing a lot of the, is doing all the legwork here. Uh, and it's interesting that he got brought in to effectively cover for Ludwig Göransson, who had done, you know, the previous Creed movie. Um, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if Logan Gorenson fell off the map or what. I, I have I have no idea. Did did he die? I hope he didn't die. No, I, I, I just checked on him. He's alive. Um, and yes, he did do the theme for the Book of Boba Fett, even though Joseph Shirley did uh, the rest of the music for it. Um, common practice. I mean, that's not just these days. That's been done for a while. Anyway, um, I don't know what's going on with Logan Gorenson, but man, is he missed. Because uh, the music, I just felt was very flat. It wasn't bad. It was just flat. Uh, in this, N- nothing that really got you pumped up, you know, and that's part of what you go to a Rocky movie for, in my opinion, is to get pumped up, uh, you know, mentally and maybe even physically if you're that into it. So, and certainly, you know, get inspired to get pumped up too. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that's one of, that's really the only major knock on this. Uh, there's some things while I couldn't predict everything that was going to happen in the middle of the film. Um, there's some things, some little scenes that I felt like were purposely filmed to later be flashback sequences. Okay. Meaning throughout the film, of course, well, as, as we discovered in Creed two, Adonis Creed's daughter that he has, you know, with Tessa Thompson's character, uh, Bianca, right? Uh, she, she ends up, she's deaf. She's born deaf. Okay. Um, and she's kind of dealing with that in the film and, and all that, you know, all this stuff works together. Um, I, th- th- you know, there's a point where, where he's, and, and he does lay out some philosophy in it about boxing anyway, you know, saying like, you know, this is what boxing is about is about. It's not about violence. It's about the focus. It's about this. And so he's teaching his daughter how to box clearly, or in my opinion, clearly she's getting set up to be the next, you know, trilogy maybe not Creed four, but maybe after Creed six, I don't know, but she's being set up to be her own, uh, you know, story in the Rocky saga. And I'm okay with that. But like, there's a scene at the end where she's in the ring with her dad, Adonis Creed. And she kind of like, you know, jokingly punches dad and knocks him onto the, you know, onto the mat and holds up his championship belt. Right. Uh, you know, and standing over him and then he gets up and lifts her up and, you know, kind of spins her around. I feel like that scene is just tailor-made and purposely filmed for a flashback sequence when we get to the point where his daughter does win the championship and then they can show that scene. Um, and, and that's a little annoying because you'd never want that to be too obvious. And I think that's obvious. Okay. But anyway, overall, um, I thought Creed three, like the dark tone I dig that the like kind of the different styles of filming the boxing matches. I liked those a lot. Um, I thought that once again, building up the villain, 
you know, doing a great job of giving, giving the villain purpose. And it's not just some obstacle to be overcome, uh, worked. I thought that bringing villains back from previous entries was fantastic because I mean, you just, you just don't get that unless you turn them into, well, I mean, I guess they were kind of turned into heroes, but not entirely. Uh, cause you know, like the character of Loki, right. In the Marvel movies, it's like, okay, no, Loki's great, but he's great as a villain. Don't fucking make him an anti-hero. Just keep him a villain. Anyway, um, that, yeah, overall bringing, giving the villains purpose within the, the, the context of the Rocky saga, I thought really worked because that's, I always want to know more of that story. Of course they kind of did that with Creed two, but it, it was great to get that even more so in, in Creed three. Um, yeah, I, I, I think this was a very good movie. Very, very good movie. Uh, it is not like two, like Creed two, it is not at the level of Creed one. But it was still, I, I think I like, I think I liked it better than Creed two. And it's still a very good film, uh, especially compared to much of what comes out these days. Uh, so if I were to give it a ranking out of 10, 10 being, you know, Rocky three and one being, I don't know, a boxing movie with some kind of weird mud wrestling in the middle of it. Uh, I'm going to give this probably a, a solid seven or 7.5. Um, I can't give, I, I don't know that I could give it an eight. Like I'd give Creed, the first Creed film, I'd give that a nine. Uh, I'd give Creed two. I'd probably give that a seven still, even if just for Stallone's presence, this one, I'll give it a seven, 7.5, you know, just to kind of beat it out to, to beat out Creed two. Um, and yeah, I think that this franchise has legs. I think it's something like, I think that they can make more Rocky movies again, a little predictable about where they're going to ultimately go. Uh, but I think that, I think they've got enough. I think the characters have been developed. I think there's enough backstory. I, I think there's powerful stuff. I will admit as much as I, and maybe they're saving this for the future. As much as I miss Rocky, what I was really hoping for. And I said this to Ellen before we went, I was actually really hoping for a de-aged Carl Weathers in some kind of like, I don't know, even if it was just a dream sequence or a sequence similar to what happened in Rocky five with, you know, where Rocky starts seeing Mickey during the fight or something, just something, not that it could be his memories, right? Because he doesn't really, you know, he never knew his dad. Adonis never knew Apollo. Uh, but like, certainly he saw interviews with him and, you know, maybe heard things that his mother would have told him about what Apollo had said. I just really would have loved to have seen Apollo Creed again, even just briefly in some form, even if it was, you know, more of a CGI affair. Uh, I think that would have worked. I just, I hope for the future, you know, if there's going to be more films in the Rocky story, I hope in the future we get back to, you know, again, this part of the staying power of the Rocky movies is they gave you like actionable inspiration philosophy to think about, you know, and so on in, in the real world that like that, that's why they stay because they, they affect you in the real world. It's not just a movie, you know, I mean, it is, but at the same time, you know, there's meaning that you can take away from it and that you can like integrate and apply. Um, I hope that makes a comeback because that's largely sadly missing from most of the entertainment industry today, or at least the more mainstream parts of the entertainment industry. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, we have everything everywhere all at once. That certainly plays with philosophy, which is great, but, um, but, but it's, that's why I say it's largely missing and we need more of that. Uh, and, and this is a great vehicle 
it's been one of the best vehicles for since 1974. Uh, keep it coming, you know, like let's have more, please. You know, it's amazing that these movies have been around for almost 50 years. Um, <laughs> that's mind blowing, you know, to, to think about and that it's still seemingly successful or at the very least the formula still very much works and there's still a lot to do and I want it to keep doing it, but do it right. And let's have some fucking great training montages again, for fuck's sake. Anyway, <laughs> that's it for my review of Creed three. I recommend it. I think it's absolutely worth at least watching once, you know, and there's probably going to be more story in the future. And this is certainly going to be key elements of that story are going to be in this. Um, and so you want to catch it, uh, but it's just, it's enjoyable on its own. Um, the fight sequences were, you know, that's what most people remember. Well, if you're looking for that, you've got some doozies in this one. You really do. Uh, you know, very, very well done. Very artistic even. Um, so check it out. And, uh, well, I'll wrap up this edition of Sovereign at the Movies and I will see all of you on the other side.